Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. You're here with episode number 70. This is Paul Spain. I'm Chris Gardner. And I'm David Hallett. Welcome along to the podcast, guys. Uh, a privilege to have you here. Your very first uh, first time on the podcast. And the very first time the podcast is live, so it's a, a real privilege to be here too. Well, we've been live before, but we haven't been live for a while. Ah, so, right. uh, so we've got a live stream uh, going for those listeners who are, um, are very, very keen to uh, to catch the live stream. Uh, you can find out about that on the nztechpodcast.com uh, website, how to uh, listen in. And uh, yeah, we're, we're now moving back to uh, having a live feed each Tuesday evening. Uh, and of course, as usual, still available for download via the web iTunes, Zune, and all the uh, all the other usual places. Uh, now, uh, guys, um, you've come up from the mighty Waikato. We have. Very nice of you to make the trip and uh, representing uh, Waikato Times. Absolutely. I'm technology editor there and have been for quite a while. And um, David here is my partner in crime and is a fantastic columnist. Excellent. Um, answers lots of questions from readers on how to do this, that, and the other when things fall over for them. So he's a great asset. That's right. No shortage of questions either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll let's let's dive in. Um, there's been a bunch of of uh, local news, sort of as always. It's um, it's interesting. You kind of think, oh, there's not much news, not much that happens in New Zealand, but there actually always seem to be uh, quite a few uh, tech happenings um, that are that are local each week, in addition to all the all the global things going on. Uh, and one that's I guess really is a follow-on from last week was uh, Fix Internet, who. Uh, who launched uh, in New Zealand exactly this time last week, actually, uh, with their new internet service, which offered two cool things. One was a sort of pay-as-you-go, so you didn't have to buy big lumps of data. Uh, that's that's all working, and in fact, they've dropped their price by 10% uh, a, uh, in the first week. And um, the other side of their, their service uh, was an ability for you to stream all sorts of international uh, content, Netflix, uh, BBC iPlayer, and uh, and so on. These are services that you can't normally get in uh, in New Zealand. So it would seem you can no longer get your fix. Yeah, exactly. So the <laughs> the name maybe isn't uh, isn't quite so appropriate anymore. I, I would say not. So what do you what do you guys think about uh, think about this? Have either of you um, you know had a had a play with using Netflix and those sorts of services uh, here in New Zealand? Well, it's interesting you asked that because just um, I think it was a fortnight ago I reviewed the Western Digital Live TV HD streamer, and the amount of feedback I had in the column regarding that was people's complaints about the lack of streaming from Netflix and all the US services. You know, this is advertised as a I wonderful streaming box. I think you could safely say that it went off didn't it, in terms of all the comments that we got from people emailing in. Everyone loved it, especially for the ability to play you know, movies locally and things that download and that kind of content. But in terms of the streaming service, which it really pushed itself for, went off. Yeah, well, just you just you just <laughs> limited here in New Zealand, right? And, exactly. And I guess the you know the excitement about Fix was it was going to be a plug and play, almost a plug and play type solution for people. And there's still hoops to jump through to access Netflix and and a number of these other services because you tend to have to uh, sign up with with a credit card uh, online. Well, I've, I've, uh, I've already got a, a follow-up column written, how to use the Western Digital Live with. Excellent. Which is now sitting in the wings. <laughs> yeah, well, we have the we have these challenges. Um, but the the I guess the good news is for those um, who have signed up 
and uh, you know we're we're keen on fix for uh, its pricing model. That's right. Thirty the, cents the, a gig. The pricing now. model has now changed, so it's gone from thirty-four dollars and thirty-four cents as the sort of main cost, and thirty-four cents a gig down to uh, thirty dollars thirty and thirty dollars a gig for oh, the 30 data. Cents, thirty cents a gig. Yeah. Um, so what what we um, what we haven't really heard is the full story from Maxnet in terms of uh, and it was Maxnet who who launched Fix as a sub-brand. Uh, we haven't really heard whether they're getting enough sign-ups that they will keep Fix running on that sort of basis. But it, it, you know all the effort they put into promoting it tends to suggest they will keep that running. Uh, and we also don't know whether they're going to be able to turn on uh, these US um, streaming services again in the future, and and that may still be up in the air. But uh, there's a fair bit of information we have been able to find out for those uh, who are interested. One of the things we found was, um, from what we can tell, uh, that their technology, that one of the key technologies that they were making use of is a uh, service. I think a Canadian service called Unblock US, uh, and that's something that you can per- actually purchase separately and either tag it on to the fixed internet service or the internet offerings from a number of other ISPs, although be be warned that it doesn't work with all, um, all New Zealand ISPs. Uh, and we've got a little bit of detail about that. If you go to the nztechpodcast.com website, uh, in the main menus there, there is... Uh, uh, one called Netflix NZ, and that uh, really gives you some guidance on how to get up and running with these uh, these sorts of services. Uh, our focus is around the VPN model because we found it to be uh, most successful, but there is a link there to the uh, uh, Unblock service if you want to uh, you want to try that out. So there's a good place to go. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we look forward to hearing a little bit more from uh, Maxnet uh, when they're uh, when they're able to say what's happening. Uh, what they did tell us up front was they had sought sort of legal advice whether they were sort of breaking any any rules by offering the service, and they said they were confident that that they weren't. And uh, others uh, looked into to this, and the, the likes of NBR, um, you know, had some some lawyers comment on it, and they they felt that it was uh, uh, was legal. So our impression is that um, that there hasn't been any uh, court action taken against Maxnet at this stage. I did see a lot of comments today coming through about Section 92. Hmm. Um, so I'd love to see that develop a bit more, to be honest. But yeah, we'll be interesting to see. Yeah, under under you know what ways that they were threatened, and 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 I guess our understanding is somebody has uh, um, you know has cautioned them and says hmm. and and warned them if they don't sort of step back from offering the service, they may. Uh, um, yeah, there, there may be some action. Rick, um, Rick Shearer will be the guy to watch to see whether he makes any additional comments as well. Mm, we'll see how mm. it develops. So, uh, so yeah, we'll keep watching that, and we'll certainly report back on the podcast here if we uh, if we if we have any news. So, you know, um, just uh, keep listening, and uh, you know, keep keep a watch out on uh, on the likes of uh, Twitter and, and Facebook, and we'll we'll post updates on that as it comes to hand. Still a great service at you know three hundred dollars a terabyte. You can't go wrong, and I'd love to know if they're going to offer it as a UFB type solution as well, or a UFB service. Yeah, it's interesting that we, you know, we don't really have a lot of uh, internet providers that are on board yet with the ultra fast broadband, uh, and uh, you know that's a place where Maxnet sort of could have come on board with this offering and offered it uh, over that uh, too. But the, you know, they're just not quite there yet. So uh, I think the next few months will be interesting to see. Uh, how the major internet providers go with uh, with rolling out ultra fast broadband uh, options, so that uh, you know 
the you know, more of the population has access to uh, to these fibre-based internet services. Yeah, I mean the network is growing, and we were just saying before we went on air how Hamilton's really coming along in that space at the moment. And um, you know, at the moment, business customers can connect, and um, you know, residential customers come come June basically. So we're we're getting there. That's right. Well, the rollout goes to 2015, but yeah. the fact is that you know within the next year or two, most people in Hamilton can be on the UFB network. It's good, isn't it? And I think that's one of the opportunities in areas uh, that are that are being looked after by uh, probably other than Chorus. Their their regions are sort of smaller, and they expect to have the work done quite quickly. And you know we've already seen that in Whangarei, where uh, you know there, there's been. Uh, um, you know, lot, there's now lots of access to the ultra-fast broadband to the population uh, there, and yeah, it's going to be great to see the same in Waikato and well, uh, Plenty and and a, you know, range of other areas around the country as as this sort of stuff accelerates. The company in the Waikato doing the rollout, of course, is ultra-fast fibre, and uh, it's amazing to see the you know the guys drilling and the speeds are getting conjured in the ground. It's just amazing getting this stuff through. So you're seeing a lot of the digging in the streets down you, there? You, you, drive, you drive through a street and you see one of the quarter of a million dollar machines which just shunts the old conduit or the ducting under the ground. So yeah, they're, that's impressive, isn't it? Yeah. The same's happening in my in my area and uh, around sort of Greyland and Ponsonby and Hearn Bay. Um, we've seen in, um, oh, there's a range, of, a range of areas in Auckland, Avondale, Albany, uh, Rimbawera where mm. that's all going on at the moment as well. Uh, I guess the frustration comes from those who aren't in those areas and and, and wish they were uh, able to have have it rolled out. But you know it's the nature of the size of the area that Chorus has to deliver to. Uh, it's it's going to take uh, a lot longer than you if you happen to be in one of those um, uh, nice spots. And uh, I guess this is uh, one of those few times when uh, Aucklanders would uh, would say that uh, the Waikato's uh, right at the leading edge, eh? Indeed. <laughs> I don't know if it's one of the few times. One of the many times. One of the many times. Oh, okay, okay. That's interesting. I won't get into that debate uh, tonight because I'm uh, I'm outnumbered here, so uh, I I want to uh, I want to walk out alive. It's good to see that the second on the old on the Super 15 tape happens to be the Chiefs as well, with the first until last week. All right, so uh, moving moving on to uh, to other topics now. Um, something I wanted to to talk about that I've had a play with this week is uh, a new handset uh, from LG that uh, Two Degrees have launched uh, initially just into the Wellington market. Now we talked on the podcast in the, in the last couple of weeks around Nearfield Communications or or NFC as it's typically abbreviated to. And uh, yeah, it, w- it was good sort of talking about it theoretically, but I wanted to get my hands on and see how this uh, new payment technology worked. So uh, I, I grabbed one of the uh, these new Android handsets off uh, off Two Degrees, and uh, actually quite a, quite impressed with it. Now, I, um, w- what it allows you to do is to uh, load up uh, stored um, uh, credit basically onto your phone. Uh, as you would if you're familiar with the uh, snapper cards or the hop cards that are used uh, mostly for public transport mm. uh, but also for um, you know the various shops and cafes and so on that uh, use that technology so uh, this one was loaded up with uh, with twenty dollars and I was able to walk into uh, walk into my local um, dairy on Friday night and uh, grab some bits and pieces to take home and uh, there was a bit of a shocked uh, and surprised look on the face of the uh, of the guy behind the counter when I said, "Yeah, I'll pay with Snapper, thanks," uh, or with the Hop card. And uh, 
and then I didn't pull out a card, but I tapped my uh, my phone onto the uh, onto the pad next to the FBOS machine, he and he wondered drinking. Well, he wondered what I was doing, whether I was trying to hack his system or or what was going on. But uh, it showed the right things on his screen, and uh, you know he was able to generate a, a receipt. So I think he thought I you know was hopefully okay. Uh, so I w- anyway, managed to walk out of the store without uh, without too much hoopla. But it was great, and the phone updates instantly with you know what your credit is. The other thing I found is uh, I've I've got an existing um, Hop card or Snapper card, um, and if you touch that to the phone, it detects that there's another uh, Nearfield Communications uh, device there, and on the screen it immediately comes up with the uh, with the balance of the card. And you've then got the option to uh, to top up that card. So, you know, if you've got family members with uh, with cards, then you know you can tap them to your phone and then uh, load them up with a bit of credit. Uh, and you can obviously top up the uh, the credit that's stored in the phone, uh, you know, j- just as easily. So, uh, yeah, very 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 seamless uh, very seamless process. It was uh, it was good to actually try it out and get that uh, get that hands on. Now, you guys don't have any. Um, uh, access to uh, Snapper service and so on in the Waikato at the uh, moment. Do you, I think it's just Auckland and uh, and Wellington well, at yeah, this stage. That's right. uh, and of course, you know, as we were talking about earlier, there's similar services in London and Hong Kong and, and various other parts of the world with um, uh, Oyster Card Octopus and Octopus and, and and so on. And those have been around for you know for quite some time. Uh, but it's um, yeah, it's it's good to good to see. Uh, uh, two degrees coming to the party with this, and we know also uh, XT Network are, are doing some testing, and uh, that that Vodafone are also um, in this in the space or working you know working to have uh, some products. So uh, it, it should fill out with lots of offerings, and of course we've also got uh, you know Google with Google Wallet, and uh, likely an Apple product coming in the in the in the future. So, so am I right in assuming, Paul, that you need a special kind of phone to do that? I mean, the technology inside it is different to what's in a standard smartphone? Uh, yes and no. At, at the moment, there aren't too many smartphones that have near-field communications in them. Uh, but a couple of the the, uh, the phones that are starting to come through have it. And the I guess the, the consensus is within sort of 6 to 12 months, uh, near-field communications capability will be... You know, as standard as you know, probably as Bluetooth in a smartphone. So, uh, you know, anything that's not a a really cut down phone will probably end up just just having it. Uh, the surprise was that the iPhone 4 didn't have NFC. There was a bit of a surprise around that, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what comes out with the next one. I imagine they'll probably have something lined up for uh, you know for the for the next iPhone. So, we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but you know, yeah, we we see a range of phones that are starting to come through with it. The uh, uh, now talking about new smartphones, um, we've got uh, we had a, a, a quick look at the um, Samsung Galaxy S3, which is kind of being uh, you know a lot of people are touting as sort of the best smartphone in the world, and this this is sort of the 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 amazing you know new smartphone that's due out at the end of the month so uh, hopefully between now and then we'll get a really good chance to have a have a hands-on with that and uh, and report back but that's uh, that's a gorgeous phone had a good um, uh, but short um, uh, hands-on with that a few days ago I see I see my my mobicity here I'm advertising it on their website already yeah I mean there are a few people that are that are that are you know uh you know promoting it but you know it's global or it's it's 
UK Europe uh, launches 29th of May and we're expecting to see it uh, here across a number of carriers uh, before the end of the month as well. So uh, if not the 29th of May, within within a couple of days of that here uh, here in New Zealand. There's probably about half a dozen smartphone models that people would sort of consider the best. But I think the point I want to make is, isn't it just amazing that you just can't rest on your laurels as a big, a big name making these things? Because... If you do, somebody's going to catch up with you. And Samsung's really sort of, in the last few years, punched them out one after the other. Well, they've been working very hard, and, and uh, you know, in in the last uh, in the last few weeks, we heard that Samsung uh, have now moved into the number one position mm. uh, for um, you know cell phone sales globally, and that's a slot that's been held for you know uh, virtually since year dot by uh, by Nokia. Uh, you know, I guess before that it, w- it would have been uh, Motorola, but uh, you know they were they were involved in the game very very early on, and yeah, it's interesting to see that that Nokia have moved into that number number two uh, uh, position, and as Samsung seem to be doing you know very very strongly, you know, they're playing in a lot of spaces, uh, you know from your low end phones uh, you know, right up to the very high end Android devices like the Galaxy S3, which yeah. um, you know. Uh, the the power in that device is you know it's kind of crazy it's got a, a quad core cpu in it which most pcs and laptops today don't have a uh, you know a cpu of that uh, of that type so uh, yeah it's it's kind of uh, interesting and of course they've also got windows phones so yeah they're a company that's um uh, trying to be everything to to everybody and seem to actually be doing fairly well at it well that's the thing you know you've got now wonder whether nokia backing windows phone as the primary operating system, whether that's going to play out the way they anticipated. Well, that's an interesting, you know, manoeuvre because they already, already, you know, they always had uh, Symbian as as that one operating system that differentiated them, and that was really starting to get long, uh, long in the tooth. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to know whether their strategy of uh, just going for one operating system long term will work out well for them. Uh, you know, certainly in the short term, uh, Samsung are doing extremely well by uh, by having uh, having Android uh, devices. That's for sure, and Android's been moving along at a at a pretty uh, rapid pace. So I think that's really helped them. The ice cream sandwich changes are sensational as well. Yeah, it's a it's a very nice update to the operating system. I guess the unfortunate thing there for uh, for a lot of Android users uh, is that it's not necessarily an easy uh, leap from. Uh, an older operating system to ice cream sandwich, or in many cases, just you know, won't be uh, won't be practical uh, for them. So um, a bit easier for the more uh, tech savvy users, but in, in a lot of cases, it just uh, won't be an option, will it? All those people running the old Samsung Galaxy Nexus over the year. But if you want to know what the best smartphone on the market is, just ask Siri. <laughs> And uh, what what's Siri been saying in the in in the last in the last week? Paul's smiling at me because I've jumped ahead to another topic. No, no, I uh, thought it did quite well. Yeah, no, that's um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So this was being reported uh, l- l- late last week that if you uh, if you uh, asked Siri, which is you know for is the uh, the 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 um, uh, what would you call Siri? The, the personal assistant, that's right, on the iPhone 4S. If you asked it, what is the best smartphone ever? 
Its answer is the Nokia Lumia 900, which we are gagging for here in New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's quite interesting. Um, well, that's a Windows phone as well, right? It, it is. So, you know, I guess, uh, um, you know, the reason that that's happened is the way that Siri works is it goes out to certain certain services online. And my understanding is that they draw probably from uh, from Amazon. And the reviews on the uh, Samsung, on the um, sorry, uh, Nokia, Nokia uh, Lumia 900 have been sort of such. Well, they, uh, they are they that, are outstanding reviews. That it's beaten out all the other phones. So uh, you know, hence why uh, the iPhone was was giving that response. Now, um, my impression is that Apple have uh, have made some changes since that uh, news came to light. And have uh, it, it no longer gives that uh, response. The other thing that I heard <laughs> is that um, uh, upset iPhone uh, iPhone iPhone users were going in and giving very bad reviews to the uh, the Lumia 900 on uh, on Amazon, so as to uh, push it down in the uh, in the rankings. So all very interesting and entertaining stuff, I think. It's kind of like Ford or Holden, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, it, it is like that in many ways with with uh, with the smartphone platforms, and and yeah. uh, you know I think that's that's something we've discussed here on the podcast, you know, a n- number of times before, is that it, a, a lot of decision of whether you're going to use an iPhone device, an Android, or a Windows phone, or something else comes down to your personal preference. What do you like? Uh, you know, have you invested into one of the ecosystems? And once you've bought a lot of apps and music and other things on one platform. Um, it can just be a bit daunting and a bit of a hassle to change to another platform. So certainly, um, certainly giving up your apps is a huge. huge yeah, ask. I, I think so. And and also, if um, if you have to make that change, it's actually you know it, it's a bit of work. Probably in most cases, most of the apps would come across to another platform. But you know, the question is, why bother? That's you right. Know, if you're quite happy with what you're using. If you've got if you've got the iCloud well, and you're running your desktop Mac and your iPad, why would you move away from the ecosystem? Yeah, why why would you bother with that? And I guess that's the challenge that Microsoft have with Windows Phone. Uh, you know, awesome platform. They've got a great ecosystem that's really been forming over the last few years with that. Uh, but you know, I think they're 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 right to focus on new users that aren't already on Android uh, or on Windows Phone. Uh, because a lot of those users are actually quite comfortable where they are and aren't going to uh, going to make the leap. That said, we're we're still hearing plenty of stories of uh, of people that are jumping around the platforms, and tech enthusiasts will tend to do that, uh, and will move to whatever the latest and and greatest is, or, or what they pick to be the latest and greatest. And it's kind of hard for us to say what is the what is the greatest because so much of that is down to uh, is down to personal opinion. I mean, my wife she runs obviously Android because of her fully integrated Google environment and for her to move to Windows Obviously. Phone yeah but for her to move to Windows Phone <laughs> wouldn't be so great yep yep and so th- yeah and there are plenty of those sort of uh, situations right. where, where, where you know, people have a particular reason they use uh, you know Google in their work environment so it's natural for them to uh, you know continue using uh, Google services for their smartphone um, I think the big opportunity for Microsoft is most businesses use Microsoft systems, yep. you know, uh, fairly broadly, and you know the uh, the Windows Phone platform does tie up, you know, extremely nicely if you want to use Office and certainly uh, you know some of the Microsoft cloud services. I was say like on. group policies, certainly, you know, that's one area where they could, you know, excel as if they get group policy or exchange exchange group policy sorted for Windows Phone. It could be the choice of, or it could be the platform choice, perhaps. I'm absolutely um, 
blown away by the Lumia 800, which has been out for, I don't know, six weeks here, probably, something like that. And um, big fan of the Windows Phone platform. It's got Office integrated into it, you know, SkyDrive. And on the Nokia phones, you know, it's got the uh, the Nokia Drive, which is absolutely fantastic. It's great. It's just, you know, it's, you've got a GPS with no data connection. I mean, you download the, the map to start with, so you need your Wi-Fi then, but... And then you just let it rock. Mm. And, so, uh, Chris, you're not you're not so um, sort of deeply technical or no. uh, or or probably as, as geeky as uh, uh, as David and I might be uh, referred to uh, by some people. Um, but you know, comparing the other devices that you've uh, that you've tried, um, you know, what is it that stands out around Windows Phone? Is it is it just really easy? Is it you know it's what? It's simple and it does everything that I want it to do. Okay. And with one click, mostly, mm. you know, with one swipe of the tile. I like the way it integrates into social networking. I mean, I'm not a huge Facebook and Twitter fan, but I use them, and it's so easy to integrate into those services yep. using the Windows Phone. And Thanks. is it is it your sm- first smartphone, or were you on no. iPhone or Android before? Um, before I had a previous Windows Phone, and before that I had an Android. Okay. So you know, I've moved around a bit. And um, and the fact does you get plenty of phones coming across your desk oh, too the last couple of weeks i've had about four or five different models mm. so you know I, I see lots of androids um androids to me are a bit ho-hum there's some that stand out there are some that absolutely suck uh, most are probably in the middle but yeah there just seems to be no minimum standard for them um that's right and you, it can only get worse you know what you're going to get with a windows phone and and with an iphone um you know because they are so integrated into an ecosystem as, as we like to use those yeah, phrases yeah okay, I mean, okay. Plenty, plenty of people call me a nerd though so yeah 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 no just... oh, it's, it's always interesting <laughs> to hear those uh those perspectives uh and you know again you know we we know that uh the audience will have their own uh their own their own preferences and and the reasons why whatever platform yeah. they're on is is the best one for them and and it probably is in most cases um so well i, now, I taught my sister um last week just before i went away we were talking on skype she's in britain she's an equestrian she's not very techy and she was just about to go and get an android and she said what do you think and she told me the model i can't remember what it was but it's one that i'd seen and i said Meh. I'd get a Lumia yep. at 800, and that's what she got. She's absolutely raving about it. Oh, excellent. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Well, very good. Very good. Um, now, we've been talking a lot about mobile. Uh, another local uh, item this week is that uh, Telecom have announced that they're launching um, for a 4G customer trial. Now, David, would you like to give us... Uh, your your breakdown of what uh, 4G mobile is compared to uh, 3G and 2G mobile. Sure, okay. So this is one question I'm getting a lot lately is, so what is 4G? And the other question is, what's LTE or what's all this next generation stuff? Simply put, 3G is what we've currently got. Third that, generation. Third generation, yeah. So third generation is available in 850 megahertz and pretty much 900 megahertz, which is what... Um, and 2100. And 2100, of course, which is what um, Telecom and Vodafone and, and Two Degrees are offering in this space. 4G is the... It runs anywhere from about 900 megahertz through to 2.1 um, gigahertz. However, what Telecom is looking at doing is using their 2.3 gigahertz spectrum for some of these 4G trials. What does it do? It's just faster. 
that's a that's a big advantage, isn't it? It's all about it's all about speed. And if we look back to you know our 2G uh, phones, the amount of data throughput that you could do on those was pretty slow. So if you wanted to listen to a nice uh, audio stream or watch a video on your phone. Yeah, even opening a web page, uh, yeah, wasn't usually a great experience, right? Well, it chugged through with you know GPRS, and even before that, back in the um, 90s when we had CDPD, you know, at the speed of a 14.4k modem, that was Gen 1, and we can see it increasing. And so the whole promise of of the fourth generation of 4G is is speed. How much, and how much faster is it? Sorry, well, it can potentially be a lot faster. And and again, in the, in the last just in the last few days, we heard. Uh, one of the US networks talking about where they're expecting to be with their 4G network, which is using the LTE uh, technology as the form of 4G, which is really becoming the, the global uh, standard. And they were talking about uh, by 2014 of being in the uh, 140 megabits type range, which is it's talking about speeds that potentially could peak uh, at the top end of what we expect you know, residential customers to be able to get out of their ultra-fast broadband uh, connections in, in a that's similar right. sort of time frame. So that's fast. That's, that's very fast, I, yeah. I mean, the immediate thing that springs to mind for me is what's that going to cost me? Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a good question because you always pay so much more for wireless data than you do for data that comes yeah. over, a, uh, you know, an ADSL connection or a, a, a fibre internet connection. So, uh, you know, I think there's different types of data and, and people are... Uh, you know, I would say, you know, most of us are, are um, you know, understanding of the fact that it costs more to get data this way. So when we're in a home or business environment, we'll use our uh, Wi-Fi as much as we can. But it's nice to know that you can get things fast uh, when you're out and about. And, uh, you know, some people will use huge amounts of, of data sort of uh, comparatively. Uh, but... Yeah, most of us don't want to spend hundreds of dollars a month on on getting access to that mobile yeah. data. Although, uh, I don't think any of the mobile carriers in New Zealand would be too upset if we all were happy to spend lots of money. I think uh, one thing to be aware of as well, of course, is that with the new technologies like 4G, they're using high higher frequency microwaves. And I mean, without getting into a physics lecture, one of the the issues, of course, is the higher frequency you go in the microwave range. The 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 physical implications of that signal. So one of the things we're going to be seeing is a pl- proliferation of new cell sites to do support this 4G infrastructure. You're going to need far more around, scattered around because the range is smaller. That's right. Now, um, now the other thing to think about with 4G is that the um, the main sort of uh, spectrum that we're expecting uh, to be used for this. Uh, at this stage, we're expecting that to come from uh, the analog uh, TV space. So that's why the analog TV networks are being shut down and things are moving uh, to Freeview. So yep. once uh, once the, the old school uh, TV signal gets turned off, there will be, you know, I think we've got auctions and so on coming you can up. See the government, we? government rubbing uh, their hands together with yeah, another spectrum auction. Where, where the government can, uh, can auction this off. So, you know, we need to, you know, highlight that what Telecom are doing with, with, um, with their, their trial is, is just added as a trial. You can go to their website and, uh, and sign up if you're interested and you may, you may be able to be included. Uh, they're looking, I think, for business and, and individual customers to be on that trial. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's still a little way off before we will see the networks offering uh, a standard 4G service uh, here in New Zealand. It is available uh, in Australia through Telstra at the moment, uh, and most of the US networks uh, are, are offering 4G in, in some form, primarily the LTE-based uh, 4G technology. 
which of course the uh, the, the latest iPads uh, support. I think all three of us should uh, knock on Telecom's door after this podcast and sign up and then see if we can compare notes when the trial's over. I'm sure the trial will only be rolled out in Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to comment on that one. Um, I do remember it was uh, Telstra Clare who were going to roll out their network starting in the Bay of uh, Bay of Plenty, That's as right. I recall, their, uh, their new mobile network that they, uh, they got a little way with and then... Uh, and then pulled the plug. Um, if that had happened, we would have had four mobile networks in New Zealand, possibly. So um, who, know, who knows where all this goes? But uh, I guess I've learned along the way not to get not to get too excited by these things until uh, uh, until they get very very close. Of course, there are other 4G infrastructure in New Zealand at the moment, isn't there? But they're not in operation. Uh, there, there are some um, some variants of uh, WiMAX prim- primarily that have been rolled out for various uh, wireless functions, and generally not for, uh, for for voice, not used for uh, for phone calls. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the uh, one of the, the hallmarks of uh, the 4G technologies is that everything um, is is treated really as as internet or data type traffic. Uh, including including phone calls, uh, I, I believe. So th- those are handled in a in a different manner than than the way they are today. I know a few um, ISPs or wireless ISPs in New Zealand who are using WiMAX for for backhaul connections, mm. um, which of course is great because you've got that license spectrum and don't have to worry about interference from. Yes, yeah, so should that be cheaper then because they're different technology? Well, the, I mean WiMAX. For those who are wondering what that is, that that's the that's the other uh, 4G technology yeah. uh, and you know when we look back sort of six eight years there was the thought the WiMAX was sort of going to be that the 4G technology everyone would use and then it's moved to uh, LTE which uh, I think stands for uh, long-term evolution if I remember that uh, correctly but yeah and in, in terms of um, pricing and so on I think um, what tends to be priced the best tends to be the technology that's rolled out broadly yeah, so yeah. you know that's that's why you know, today it's uh, it's the ADSL um, um, you know type internet connections that we primarily have. Uh, in in the future, I guess it'll eventually move to that fact where we're probably the uh, fiber optic optic connections, the ultra fast broadband, uh, eventually will become the um, the lowest cost because it's probably uh, uh, you know cheaper to maintain and and yep. will eventually relate to uh, the large majority of uh, of customers for their. Uh, their fixed internet connections. A couple of weeks ago, I was the um, MC at an event held in Hamilton that was uh, driven by the Economic Development Agency down there called Opportunity Hamilton, and it was called the Broadband and Technology Forum, and it was basically small businesses and medium-sized businesses from from Hamilton and districts there to ask questions about what ultra-fast broadband meant for them. And the question was repeated, you know, what's the story with copper? Is that obsolete? And the answer is, well, well, it was until we had ADSL. Oh, you know, we had ISDN, and then we had ADSL, and then we had ADSL too. And, you know, I, the answer was, without crystal ball gazing, well, maybe it's not obsolete, but, I mean, there's a lot of money in the ground that we could turn into commodity. But at the same time, you know, fibre's able to do amazing things. you just got to look at the Southern Cross Circuit, you know, the connection between New Zealand and the States, and with all sorts of cool new technologies that they've brought on, you know, with the wave division, multiplexing, and other kind of things where they can get extra bandwidth. They can keep putting new technology onto the ends of the glass and increasing their bandwidth and available. Uh, and it needs far less maintenance. Fibre. 
That's that's a theory. I mean, there 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 are there are there are it's moot. There are I mean, there are a whole lot of things there. But what uh, can go wrong with um, a piece of with a, with a piece of fibre that the same the same that can go wrong with copper and it's called a backhoe. <laughs> Uh, and a ship anchor. Exactly. All right, now, um, another topic that came up in the last few days that I thought was interesting, and I, I don't want to dive too much into this one, but I thought it was it was worth pointing out, is the Wi-Fi Pineapple Mark IV. Now, our listeners may be wondering what this is. Well, I'll tell you where you, where you can read about it. You can read about it um, at Hack Shop. Now, hopefully <laughs> the word hack gives a little bit of a little bit away now this is actually a uh, a tool that's aimed at uh, at hackers and the reason i mention it is um is because it's something that that uh that everyone should be aware of if you're using a wi-fi uh network that's that's not encrypted so if you've jumped onto your neighbor's wireless connection or you've seen somebody's wireless connection and you've jumped on and started using it uh, it is possible with various tools, uh, and the Wi-Fi Pineapple Mark IV is is one of those um, to listen in and to actually capture um, the traffic that's going over that network unencrypted. So uh, if you uh, if you happen to look at the uh, the details on the um, uh, on the pineapple, w- you'll see in there sort of screenshots of what you can actually do by connecting into this device. Uh, and it will actually, you know, capture people's usernames and passwords as they uh, as they use a, uh, the standard wireless connection because it can just listen in and get all that information. So um, I'm not suggesting all our listeners go out there and uh, and dive into hacking, uh, but by learning about some of these hacking tools, uh, it is. Um, it is useful in just learning of the things that we should be uh, should be cautious about. Well, I mean, it's an off-the-shelf phishing tool, isn't it? You yeah. know, phishing with the pH, and, and that's its entire purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, the so. good thing is, of course, is if you are using web-based services that, you know, use Secure Sockets Layer or SSL, or you may see in your browser HTTPS, you know that they are encrypted. But, of course, if you're running your Outlook client or anything else on your PC, it may just be using clear text and they can grab all your email coming through as well. Possibly, yeah, depending on, uh, depending on what's running on your, on your system. So, yeah, word of caution around that. And this little box, um, and I'm sure there probably will be one or two of you that attempted to, um, to order one. Um, I haven't yet, but, um, but I'm quite curious. It's 90 US dollars for this little box. I well, hope, uh, hope you're not curious next door to me. <laughs> so, uh, well, it, somebody could be, and I guess that that's the lesson that we're trying to Absolutely. say is, uh, yeah, so, somebody somebody could be curious, and you don't, you know, you don't even need one of these boxes to do it. It could be a laptop. Uh, there are a whole lot of ways of sort of sniffing in on what's happening on a on a on a wireless network next, that's next uh, tumbler, uh, I mean, no yeah, that, that's not set up securely. So you know, if a if a wireless le- network just lets you in without a password, uh, yeah, it's not. Um, yeah, then then yeah, be be wary. And that that could be a hotel Wi-Fi. There's all sorts of scenarios. It might be one that you're legitimately allowed to use, uh, but somebody could be uh, you know could be listening in. And in fact, you'll go to some conferences and events, and people will set up a thing, and it'll say free Wi-Fi or you know those sort of names. And actually, it's set up there. Uh, waiting for you to jump on board so they can actually grab all, all your uh, all your details. So affectionately known as honeypots, hmm. honeypot networks. I mean, that, but this is a good time to mention as well about your networks. If you're running anything like WEP or even the older encryption protocols, these are completely breakable as well. So if you're not running WPA2, 
perhaps it's time to upgrade your router and or your yeah. AP and get WPA2 running. Yep. So a lot of home setups will be running on those uh, older type uh, yep. uh, wireless standards that um, no one exploits that, 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 that aren't aren't secure anymore uh, and and probably never were to be fair. Um, now. Um, one other New Zealand related item uh, this is to do with Facebook now this is a really big week for uh, for Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook um, I understand that they're going to be having their uh, um, their their initial public offering they're going to be yep. launching onto the uh, onto the, the US share market and uh, by the end of the week um, Mark will have gone from um, from a rich man to a very rich man uh, he won't be quite into the Gates, Bill Gates and and the like um, zone just yet, but, but there's there's quite a possibility if uh, if the company grows in value that uh, he will actually top the lot of them. That that said, you're looking at what the IPO is valuing Facebook at now at 85 to 95 billion US dollars. I mean that's some serious coin for our data. It it is. It's very interesting. But you know, no. If we look at other uh, other companies that have gone through this, Google, for instance, and I remember whether they launched it sort of those sorts of uh, um, in that well that sort of uh, direction, maybe not quite that high. Well, they were, they um, were two point two point seven one eight billion, which was E. So that was their choice of their their listing price. Yeah. Isn't it insane? Um, but, I mean, you know, Google are now sort of, you know, six times that uh, that initial uh, value that they launched at. Uh, so, you know, there's there's quite a potential that uh, Facebook could uh, could double uh, in in value over the next few years. And uh, yeah, if that happens, um, young twenty-something-year-old um, uh, Mark Mark Zuckerberg. Um, um, uh, well, uh, yeah, he'll be. Uh, He'll be on top of the world, sort of financially, anyway. He really, uh, him, him and his hoodies. I was going to say he really has the um, the new monopoly on data, though, in terms of um, advertising. Because you look at both Google and Facebook, and their models are selling advertising. That's right. And and plenty of advertisers I've spoken to are saying, "Gosh, I love advertising on Facebook because I can be so discreet with the particular people that I choose. I can choose females between the ages of 18 and 23 who like ponies, who live in." Hamilton, who were born in Auckland, you know, and, and that's the kind of demographic you can get versus your AdWords. Wife. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, and it, and it really does give them a, a huge amount of power, and that's where, you know, where uh, you know I see that the 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 potential is for them to become a very very rich company because of that, and uh, you know that initial price they launch at, uh, if. If and I guess this is the big if, if they are able to keep that position as the the main sort of social network that the world uses, uh, and you know there's certainly been a few others uh, you know that have that have uh, uh, tried to you know um, edge into that space, but you know also we've seen a number of other social networks that have sort of been and gone over the last uh, uh, ten years. Once, uh, a, once upon a MySpace, and, and, and including the one I launched some years ago. Um, and and yeah, MySpace, which uh, you know that was a, that was a, a at the time was a pretty big acquisition, uh, but we're lo- we're looking at uh, a company that's going to be uh, launching at, or, or launching onto the stock market at uh, over a hundred times the uh, the price of uh, uh, of what MySpace uh, you know was was acquired for. It's insane, isn't it? And you know what? We should be getting. The shares, you know, we should be issued free shares because we are shareholders in this business. Well, no, we're actually the product. Well, 
You know, you could argue that. They're actually selling a piece of you. Exactly. Of all of us. Exactly. This, this week, they are selling a slice of all of us. So it would be nice to get a share, for uh, some shares for the for the privilege of being part of that. Well, here's it, an idea. You could actually be buy some shares and buy, <laughs> and buy yourself back. Reclaim, <laughs> reclaim your identity. <laughs> So we'll we'll report back on that one and uh, and actually how that goes. I'm I'm very interested to uh, to see. It seems like there's much more interest in the shares than probably in anything else we've seen in a long long time. Uh, one of the obvious reasons for that is that uh, they have more customers than uh, than just about any other brand. Um, uh, certainly any other on online uh, brand. Uh, they're in a very, very strong position and they have much, you know, I guess the big difference is they have a closer relationship uh, with most people than a, than a typical brand does. And, you know, as David was talking about, uh, they know a lot about us and that's extremely valuable to them. So uh, now the New Zealand, yep, the New Zealand uh, story uh, that related to that was in the last few days, um, Facebook have been offering an option for you to feature your post um, highlight highlight your fo- your post uh, on Facebook for uh, two yep. I think it's two US dollars two, two US dollars and uh, the the story Ooh. was that that uh, that's been uh, something they've been trialing here in the New Zealand market I don't know if they they may have opened that up to other markets but it seems like New Zealand was sort of their uh, their guinea pig uh, little market for trialing it out on which is probably we're probably a good environment for those sorts of things. So I, I highlighted a post. I mean, the first one's free, right? So it's a bit like a drug. So I saw this and I highlighted it and and more people read my post. What was it about? Uh, it was actually my column from the Waikato Tomes that I posted online. <laughs> there I you go. I, yeah, I, love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's good. And and I guess what it, what it proves is that, that uh, uh, people are willing to, to spend money in ways that they might not have and they might not have done uh, in the past. And you know it's interesting. You know there is there is you know for a couple of bucks, um, you know wh- why wouldn't you from from time to time want to uh, uh, maybe promote something a, a little bit more? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the the flip side is that a lot of what you post onto social networks doesn't actually get seen by your followers and your friends. That's right. And, and and if you're narcissistic, that probably would be quite depressing. <laughs> but, particularly, but, but for $2, you can rectify that. So you're pretty happy with that outcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I missed it because I was in China and I had this big issue of a, a firewall to, to get through. Oh, the great firewall of China. So my, nice. my, my internet activity in the last week has been, um, you know pretty non-existent and you're usually mainlining the internet aren't you so well, it must have yeah, uh, so. yeah it must have been hard going cold turkey for a few days yeah did absolutely you, did you get the shakes <laughs> not too many oh that's good um so yeah interesting interesting to see that uh that that local thing and i think it's the first time i've noticed facebook doing something specifically uh in our market but uh, i guess my hope is that we'll we'll see a little bit more of that uh, it's quite nice to be uh, to be at the forefront here in New Zealand. I guess we're we're well known as uh, uh, as early technology adopters, and we're a sort of a good small size market. So it's easy for them to try something out and make mistakes on it. Um, the sorts of things they try out is probably what concerns me about Facebook because they do have so much of our data, and uh, there's a potential for Facebook to um, 
to put put their foot in the wrong place and and uh, and do things maybe for the wrong reasons from time to time. So I hope they're uh, they're reasonably well behaved in what they sure. do. But they're likely to get slapped down, I think, in this market if they uh, if they misbehave too much. Well, you know, being an island nation, New Zealand's got a geographical identity, and you know, Kiwis have got their own identity too. So you know, it makes sense to trial things like that in a market that is so identifiable. You know. It's, it's really easy probably to measure things in a market like ours. Whereas, you know, if you go to some outlandish European country with, with, with uh, even more people, you know, the, the borders are down and, you know, it's pretty hard to measure some stuff, I would have thought. Mm, mm. Yeah. No, I, think it, uh, I think it works well. Uh, now, last week... Yes. Where, where were you? Well, I'm sorry if I've been yawning all evening because I've only really just got off a plane. Um, Hewlett-Packard invited me to their global um, global summit, uh, global influencers summit they called it, and uh, it was really a two-day, three-day um, product launch of a whole new line of hardware, 80 new products. So that's a lot of products, Chris. Yeah. How did you uh, how did you cope with taking in all that information uh, while you were probably uh, somewhat uh, jet lagged as well, well? Yeah, I coped. <laughs> um, a lot of it was around ultrabooks that was the main thing that they're talking about and and having sort of spent some time in the office with with a couple of models under my arm just showing them off you know mainstream new zealand doesn't know what an ultrabook is and uh what hp was really talking about was this new line of ultra slim and ultra light laptops so we've got three terms out there now haven't yep. we we've got ultrabook which is the term that intel used for use for, or allowed manufacturers to use for very uh for uh, small laptops that fit a particular specification sure. and have certain maybe expensive uh, Intel components in them. <laughs> yeah, competition um, for the Mac here. Uh, and 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 in, and in some ways, uh, yeah, competition to the, the Apple's MacBook Air. Uh, then we've got uh, the Sleek Book is a new term that uh, Hewlett Packard have been rolling out. That's right. And also we've got the Thin and Light uh, term, which I think is quite a good actually uh, description for what these laptops are um, but those are all terms and I'm sure there are others coming from other vendors that are sort of bandy, being bandied around yeah. but um, the sort of sleek book and thin and light I think are actually quite good descriptions of what we're seeing in these new sure. uh, the new products now David you, you mentioned uh, you know compete with the, the MacBook Air the interesting thing is some of these uh, and uh, one of the ones I'm sure you would have seen would have been the um, uh, is it the Spectra, the Spectra X, yep. if I've got the right model? That sounds right. I saw um, a heck of a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, which which is is uh, is one of their corporate sort of targeted ones, but looks yep. uh, very sort of uh, MacBook like in its uh, in its build, uh, but a very very nice Windows based uh, sure. Windows based system. If my memory's right, that particular model has a nine hour battery, which is amazing for a portable PC. Um, but it also has uh, another an component that you can slide in to give it 20 hours. Um, so, you know, that's virtually unheard of. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is just, this is really Gen 2, 2G, <laughs> next generation of Ultrabooks. They've been on the market for, uh, Ultrabooks have been on the market s since last year, but the specs inside them are getting better and better and, and the pieces they're using. So, you know, Intel was there talking a little bit about the Ivy Bridge processor, 
um, which a lot of these new devices will have in it. Well, they rely on that to get the best battery life and, and to be as small and light as, sure. as possible, don't they? Sure. Uh, now, the, I need to correct myself. The um, the new HP product we were talking about was the Envy Spectra XT. That's right. That's the full name. So well um, we had a look at this one uh, uh, briefly, we had a look at an early sample of this um, some weeks ago, and we were under strict uh, uh, non-disclosure arrangement with Hewlett Packard, not to mention it because it, there, there'd been no photos or anything on the web. Although I snapped a uh, uh, a photo to uh, take with me for reference, uh, we weren't able to publish that anywhere. So um, that is now that in the last week has become official, yep. which I think yep. was the timing of the event you were at was That's really right. their global uh, global unveiling of that and a range of other products. Yeah. Um, and what we hope to do over the next few weeks is to start getting our hands on uh, one or two of these because they, they're really nice uh, looking products and will allow, uh, I guess, these sort of thin and, and, and light uh, sure. types of laptops to actually get into the hands of, of, of business users and, and the general public, right? Lovely kit, really lovely kit. Um, how does it, how all, does it run Windows 8? I was going to say, that was my next point. All Windows 7, of course. Um, Windows 8, Microsoft is still not saying when exactly it's going to be released. We asked. I mean, Windows 8 was really the elephant in the room um, that nobody was talking about at this particular event. Um, you know, where's the where's the slates? Where's the tablets running Windows 8? What are you guys doing about that? And, and one of their top, top guys said, we're not here to talk about Windows 8 and we're not here to talk about tablets. But what he did say was that tablets are coming post-Windows 8, um, which obviously will run that new touch metro interface very well um so yeah yeah uh, you know the next few months in the pc world are pretty exciting really pretty exciting i'd say and and with windows 8 and ivy bridge and you know an ultrabook you're going to be in heaven <laughs> yeah i think uh i think this this year is, is going to be a good one in terms of uh, product release I mean, we've already seen so many things uh come through and you know it is great to see that you know, I guess your your Windows uh, your Windows devices are actually starting to get up there in terms of their their build uh, uh, styling, the look and the feel of these devices. Um, Apple have sort of uh, you know have held a pretty envious position in terms yeah. of uh, you know where where they've sat. If you wanted something that looked good, uh, you know, styled in a in a in a way that um, yeah sort of stands out from the old school sort of plastic looking. Uh, laptops, you you didn't really have a whole lot of choice, and I think that's uh, that's starting to change. Sure is. And yeah, obviously the um, the, the the tablet uh, type space is we we're going to see some interesting changes with that. Uh, and you know, as we always say here, uh, we love competition because uh, it gets everyone on their toes and uh, yeah, really pushes the industry forward, creates a lot of opportunities for uh, for everyone, and you know, over time tends to bring the prices down. So uh, you know, a lot of these technologies get uh, more accessible and and more affordable. So I think lots of good lots of good things ahead. Yeah. Now, uh, one one other um, I guess newer newer piece of technology that we haven't had a chance to uh, uh, chit chat about on on the podcast um, in recent weeks, but one that we thought we should cover uh, because it's been getting a fair bit of interest uh, out there. Uh, is a new Android handset from HTC, the uh, the One X. Now we've all had a little bit of a, a look around at this one um, recently, and we've got one um, 
We've got one here that um, that the, uh, the chaps at HTC uh, um, fired across to us. Now, what's interesting about the One X? This really is, I guess, at the at the top end of smartphones of all smartphones really in the industry today, uh, particularly from a specifications perspective. Although it can be debated uh, whether you need those higher specifications in a in a smartphone. Uh, and and that was I guess part of our our, um, our chat earlier around uh, um, you know Windows Phone and 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 so on. Um, Before you get into that, it's white. It looks it looks pretty yeah uh, it looks quite cool and white, doesn't it? What do you guys think? It reminds me of an iPhone actually. Yeah, I mean it looks good. I think it's the styling of it is quite nice, and we're starting to see that with particularly with the higher end devices as we're starting to see. Um, you know devices that look really sharp one of the other things about this is the sort of the curved um uh or the yeah the curved edging on the edge of the uh the screen which um has has inklings of the um of the uh, nokia lumia 800 in terms of how that the uh what I presume is Gorilla Glass sure. is uh, is sort of you know uh, beveled off or curved onto the edges. And the other interesting thing is there's actually a curve that runs through the phone. So if you lay the phone uh, sort of flat on its uh, on its face, uh, you actually don't um, you don't scratch the glass. Interesting, the glass itself isn't sort of um, isn't curved. You can see that sort of uh, straight, but the actual phone itself is. It's not quite banana-ish in, in no, its in its shape, but just, it just just have a slight concave, curve to it, and it's yeah, uh, yeah it's it's actually really uh, really really nice. I'd like to know whether the um the plastic actually or the the composite is white the whole way through. So when you start dropping yeah. it, whether it stays white as the corners wear off. You're not actually supposed to start dropping these things. Oh, um, right. But I w- my my uh, my pick is this is going to be stronger than a lot of the previous phones we've seen from the likes of HTC. And I think what we're starting to see is they're following a little bit in uh, in the footsteps of uh, Nokia. And, you know, we look at those Lumia handsets and there isn't a removable battery. They're built as one sort of solid piece out of a, a um, you know, a composite material. And that makes them really tough. Now, this doesn't, doesn't look... Uh, by any means as tough as the uh, the Lumia, no. uh, but it is similar in that uh, you've really got uh, you know the screen and then one one big piece of um, uh, material that's a, that's attached to it, and you know there isn't there aren't a whole lot of sort of uh, things that you can do to get inside it, uh, you know, other than uh, put a micro SIM into it. And that's, I guess, the other point is we're now starting to see a lot more phones move to these smaller SIM cards, uh, as we've seen in the iPhone, uh, uh, you know, 4 and so on. So No serviceable parts. Or Yeah, they're very much built <laughs> in that sort of way that you're not actually supposed to be able to um, get into them. Now, for those that are interested in sort of the, uh, the techie specs, um, the HTC One X uh, has a 1.5 gigahertz quad-core uh, processor, so... There's a lot of sort of grunt there. Um, it is based on Android 4, but with HTC's um, uh, Sense UI on top of that. So there's a, you know, it's not the standard Android 4. Um, they have sort of tweaked it, which I think there's a lot of debate over whether that's actually good or whether that's bad for uh, for users. Uh, and uh, 32 uh, gigs of, of storage. So you've got a, a fair bit in there, uh, um, you know, a, as it comes uh, and it's my impression, if I've got it right, that uh, you can't load this up with um, 
with any extra storage over and above the uh, the standard that it comes with. Um, it does have a bigger uh, battery than is, I guess, traditional 1800 um, milliamp hours. So that's really uh, needed with these bigger screens and um, and I guess to a degree the way that um, uh, the operating system with all the layers and bits and pieces on it tend to uh, tend to chew through the battery. So that definitely uh, definitely helps. Um, we will try and give a bit more feedback on this in uh, in one of our future episodes when we've spent some uh, some more time with it. Uh, but first impressions of it are that it's got an absolutely gorgeous screen. Is probably the other thing that really stands out. Uh, this is a um, an HD or 720p uh, screen, so it's uh, it's pretty high resolution. And and looking at it, it's uh, it's yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and we will be doing a side-by-side sort of comparison of this uh, upcoming uh, between this one and the Samsung Galaxy S3, uh, which also has has a great screen, although there are some differences in the type of technology and the way the screens look. Uh, and to a degree, I think that comes down to personal preference. I actually uh, qu- quite liked the, um, the Galaxy S3 screen, even though a lot of reviewers have been saying that the uh, HTC One X has got a better screen. So... Uh, I think, you know, bottom line is both of them actually really awesome, and uh, you may like one style or, or the other, but they're they're not uh, they're not too far apart. Very similar in uh, in in size. With the, this has got a 4.7 uh, inch screen, I think, um, and it's I think it's a 4.85 in the um, Galaxy S3. So two very very high end uh, smartphones. Um, initially priced around a thousand thousand dollars, I think, on uh, on Vodafone. Uh, slightly less, I think, with two degrees and uh, and and telecom. So um, yeah, some pretty cool kit. So if you're into if you're into Android and you've got some uh, some money burning a hole in your pocket, uh, certainly a device you might want to uh, might want to uh, look up. All right, well that uh, that probably draws us to a close for uh, for this week on the NZ Tech Podcast. Um, hey, great to have you guys on the on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, David. Welcome. Um, now, tell us your Twitter handles and where we uh, where we can look out and, and read online to catch some of your uh, your newer stories. So you can get me at at iTimesEditor, and uh, the best place to get online is ycadotimes.co.nz, and then click on the technology section lower on down on the page, and you'll see my stuff, some of Dave's stuff there too. Excellent. And my Twitter handle is David Hallett, that's T two L's, two T's. Um, and you can find all my columns online on um, the Waikato Times site as well, or you can click up the top on business and then on technology. That's true. Excellent, excellent. Hey, well, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, appreciate you making the, uh, making the journey up to, uh, uh, to be on the NZ Tech Podcast this week. Uh, for our listeners, um, you're, you're welcome to join our, uh, our live stream. You can read about uh, uh, that on the nztechpodcast.com uh, website and you can stay up to date there on, uh, uh, on our various happenings and, uh, and episodes. Uh, you can also find us online at nztechpodcast. Uh, that's our Twitter handle uh, or facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my name, Paul Spain. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week.